Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 4. And we'll start here, Proverbs chapter 4. We're continuing our series, The Most Dangerous and Damning Thing in the World. We're continuing our series, The Most Dangerous and Damning Thing in the World. You'll see a link. Uh, you'll be able to follow along with my notes in the YouVersion Bible app. We'll look at those notes later. It'll be on the YouVersion Bible app under Faith Christian Center. You'll also see it on our Faith Plus app. The Most Dangerous and Damning Thing in the World. And didn't Pastor Kylie Gatewood do a marvelous job last week showing us how to pray for the prodigals? You know, one of the things you're, you heard me say a little bit in the series, you hear a little bit today, but especially the next two weeks. That because of the conditions of the heart, a lot of people walk away. But just because they walk away doesn't mean they can't come back. And we're believing, and you, you heard me say this on Wednesday night, and you hear me say it on next Wednesday as well, we're believing for more people to be restored to their walk with God. And if God could do it, as we saw in Peter and Jonah and in others, God can do it for those we're believing for. Amen? So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto all those that find them, and health or medicine to all their flesh. Keep or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. When we looked at it before, it's the scripture is painting the picture of guarding your heart above all things that are to be guarded. There are a lot of things in your life that need to be guarded. You know, you guard your house. You guard those who live in your house. You guard your family. You guard your car. You guard things in your life. You know, we have places that have higher levels of security because of the people who live behind those walls or the secrets that are kept behind those walls or where the store behind those walls. And there are levels of guarding that should happen in the natural. But the problem saying here is that above all the things that are should be guarded, if you're going to guard anything, you need to also guard your heart with the utmost care and attention. Because from your heart are the issues of life. This word issue here means forces, borders, springs, sources, and outgoings. So what's in your heart affects your everyday life. There are some things you see in your life today because they were in your heart before. So that's why in this series, we said the most dangerous and damning thing in the world is a hard heart. And we looked at that in part one. You can find that on our Faith Plus app and on YouTube. What happened with the hardened heart and how that's the most dangerous and damning thing in the world. But also we looked at in week two how offense leads you to having a hardened heart and how to get out of the trap of offense. And today we're going to look at something else that leads you to having a hard heart as well. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And once again, this is a good time for you to share the broadcast for other people to watch. If you're watching on Facebook, share. Start a watch party, Twitter, retweet, YouTube, share the link. If you're watching on Faith Plus, you're watching the computer, text someone to join. We can get into some things that are going to help you today to make sure your heart is right. 
especially as we're about to take this time, those 31 days of prayer, if we're really going to receive what God has for us and get what he promised us this year, we need to make sure our heart is right. Because our heart not being right can keep us from receiving what God has for us. Your heart being not right can cause you not even to see what God has brought in front of you. So let's deal with our heart today. Acts chapter 8. And so, let's look at verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Why did he go down there? Persecution rose up. Saul was at the head of it, and it scattered the church. And so they went everywhere. They scattered everywhere. But when they went, they didn't just go being quiet or hiding. They went preaching the gospel. And Philip, one of the original deacons, was sent out, was scattered. But he went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Now, a city of Samaria. Now, when we're reading the Bible and studying the Bible, sometimes you have to, not sometimes, you need to understand the context. And there's different words sometimes that give you clues. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria. So this is a city in Samaria. And we already know about the Samaritans. The Samaritans, to give you history for some of you who are new and haven't heard us teach on this before, the Samaritans were a different area within close to Judea. All the people of Samaria, you know what, let me back up. Let's go to Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many which were taken palsies and that were lame, and were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. So Simon was a sorcerer in Samaria. All the people of Samaria held him as the great miraculous power of God. When they saw him, they saw what he did. They said he is the power of God. They said he is the miraculous power of God. You see, you have to understand that Samaritans had a mixture of beliefs, part Judaism and part paganism had mingled together over centuries. The belief system of the Samaritans was part Judaism, part paganism. And over the centuries, they had mingled together to form their present belief system. As you know, if you heard us teach on this before, but for those of you who knew, the Jews did not like the Samaritans, and the Samaritans did not like the Jews. There was racial conflict, cultural conflict, as well as religious doctrinal conflict. So notice what Philip went into, a place of racial conflict, cultural conflict, as well as religious doctrinal conflict. Yet Jesus ministered in different cities of Samaria. In John 4, we see an entire Samaritan city following Jesus. In Luke 9, a Samaritan village refused to let Jesus stay there because he was heading towards Jerusalem. This is where Jesus said, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay its head. This was in reference to his treatment in the village, not saying that he was homeless. Now, we're a blessing to the homeless and a blessing to the poor because that's what we're supposed to do. But we don't do it because Jesus was homeless because he wasn't homeless. You read the Gospels, Jesus had a house. He had a house in one place, and then he moved into his house in Capernaum. 
So when he's saying that scripture, he is saying it because of his treatment in Samaria. Now let's go a little bit further. So we know there's a place of racial conflict, a place of cultural conflict, a place of religious doctrinal conflict. We read in John 4, and it says Jesus must go to Samaria. One of the things when you study out that Jews would walk an extra maybe half day to a day's journey to avoid going through Samaria. Jesus decided not to do that. He walked straight through Samaria. And remember the woman at the well told him, hey, what are you being a Jew talking to me, a woman of Samaria? So this is a place of great conflict. But what did Jesus tell his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? He told them this would go to all the regions of Samaria. He says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria to the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus told them there would be witnesses of him with power in Samaria. Today, Samaria is known as parts of the West Bank. Now, understand how Simon was able to hold them in all of his magic power. Their mixed belief system, which had partial pagan roots, as well as the power he manifested. He was able to help them bewitched and in all of his power because of their mixed belief system, as well as the power he manifested. Let's look at verse 11. And to him they had regard, because of that long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. So let's examine this a little bit. All of those who used to follow Simon the sorcerer turned. They heard Philip preach. They stopped following the sorcerer, and they turned and followed what the man of God said. When Philip showed up, the power of the Holy Ghost and the preaching concerning the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? God's ways of being right. It is the power of God and the authority. It says he was preaching on the name. Yes, the name of Jesus is his authority and the character of Jesus, the anointed one. Remember, it said he came down, verse 5, and preached Christ unto them. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's, what does that name Christ mean? The anointed one and his anointing. It's describing who Jesus is. So Philip went down preaching the anointing, preaching the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. He went to a people who were held captive in sorcery, people who were sick, people who were demon-possessed, people who were trapped up, in the cult, in occulted arts. He went and preached the anointing, the anointing that was upon Jesus. It sounds very similar to what Jesus preached. And when he studied out in Luke chapter 4, Jesus preached his sermon at the beginning of his ministry wherever he went. It was his custom. It was not talking about his custom of going to the synagogue. It was his custom to teach this message wherever he went. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And of course, you said, this day is that scripture fulfilled in your eyes. So Philip went preaching the anointing that was on Jesus. The power of God to remove burdens and destroy yokes. And as he preached on the anointing, as he preached on the kingdom of God, as he preached on the authority and the character of Jesus, 
signs and wonders follow. And what happened? They were set free. The power of God went to work. He preached on the kingdom. Remember, Paul says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The book of Daniel shows how the kingdom of God is greater than any other kingdom. The verse 12 tells us he also preached on the authority and the character of Jesus, the anointed one. So Philip's message in summary was a message declaring the greatness of the power of God and the reality of who Jesus really is and what's available to those who follow him. And as he preached, the Holy Ghost confirmed what he said. People were healed, the demon possessed were delivered, and there was great joy in that city. I would guess so. But let's keep reading. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So notice what happened. Simon the sorcerer believed the preaching of Philip, got saved, and was baptized. He then stayed with Philip, learning from him, and being amazed at all the acts of power, great miracles, and miraculous signs which were done. Because what Philip was doing was far greater than what Simon could do as a sorcerer. It had amazed the entire city. It had amazed Simon. And so Simon stood next to Philip and watched every Thing he did. Verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, whereas yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Although these Samaritans were saved, they had the Holy Ghost on the inside. They had not been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the Bible evidence to speak in other tongues. Notice what it said in verse 16. He hadn't fallen upon any of them. So Peter and John were sent, and after they arrived, they prayed that the Samaritans would receive the Holy Ghost just like they had. They had the Holy Ghost on the inside, but they also had the Holy Ghost upon them. And they wanted the Samaritans to have the same experience. And one of the things you see from the scriptures, one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways the baptism of the Holy Ghost is ministered is through the laying on of hands. So Peter and John laid their hands on each and every single person, and when they did, they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues. Now Simon, the former sorcerer, was watching as Peter and John ministered to the people. Look at verse 18. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. So before we get into Peter's response, I want you to notice what Simon actually said. Notice Simon's first error. It wasn't that he wanted to do what the apostles did that was the problem. That's not the problem. Simon thought he could buy the ability from the apostles. Simon thought he could buy the ability from the apostles. Next, notice how there is no relationship with God mentioned here. There's no relationship with God mentioned here. He cut out God and went straight to Peter and John. He cut out God and went straight to Peter and John. Also notice Simon's motive. 
Simon wasn't desiring just to be used by God or to be a blessing to people. He wanted the attention he used to have. He was known as the great power of God, and he wanted to be able to be that again. His heart motive wasn't right. So remember, the issue is always the heart. His heart wasn't right. Notice Peter's response. But Peter said unto him, your money perished with you, because you thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Now this word matter is also translated to the word utterance, or what's the utterance? Praying in other tongues. But even beyond that is the part or lot of the ministry of imparting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You have to understand you can't buy the gift. You receive it by faith. Notice what it said in verse 22. Peter says, repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Remember the word wickedness means twistedness. It was a twisted request. The request in of saying, hey, I want to be used to give the baptism of the Holy Ghost people is not wrong. But the heart motive and why he asked was wrong. It was twisted. It was wicked. The Phillips translation says it this way. But Peter said to him, to hell with you and your money. How dare you think you could buy the gift of God? You can have no share or place in this ministry, for your heart is not honest before God. All you can do now is repent of this wickedness of yours and pray earnestly to God that the evil intention of your heart may be forgiven. For I can see inside of you, and I see a man bitter with jealousy and bound with his own sin. Verse 23 in the King James says, For I perceive that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Let's examine this a little bit. This word gall means bile. This word gall means bile. It is a bitter, greenish-brown alkaline fluid that aids digestion and is secreted by the liver and stored in the gallbladder. It is a bitter, greenish-brown alkaline fluid that aids digestion and is secreted by the liver and stored in the gallbladder. The gall of bitterness. This word bitterness means acridity and poison. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll come back to Simon in a moment. Hebrews chapter 12. Notice what it says in verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. This word trouble means crowd in, annoy, and trouble. It means to crowd in, annoy, and trouble. This word defiled means contaminated, polluted, and stained. It means contaminated, polluted, and stained. And so when we talk about the gall of bitterness, it is the bile that breaks down. It is that bile that's on the inside that breaks down, or metaphorically, bitter jealousy. Bitter jealousy. You see, notice here it says the root of bitterness. Or where the roots come from? A seed. A seed of bitterness eventually grows to roots and becomes a plant that defiles many. If you do not stop bitterness when it's a seed, it will produce a root that will defile many 
and will lead you to a place where you are bound by sin. If it continues, it will continually harden your heart. I'll say it again. If you do not stop bitterness when it's a seed, it will produce a root that will defile men and lead to a place where you are bound by sin. If it continues, it will continually harden your heart. Let's go back to Acts 8. Let's go back to Acts chapter 8. Bitterness and jealousy is dangerous. It's a road to a hardened heart. It's a road to hell. See verse 24, then answered Simon and said, Pray you to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. Let's analyze this again. Peter told Simon to pray. Simon asked Peter to pray for him. Notice the missing element once again of Simon's relationship with God. Also notice Simon's third error. Simon was not concerned with his sin, just his possible future punishment. Simon wasn't concerned with his sin, just his possible future punishment. Simon was saved, but his heart was not right. There's a lot of people who are saved, but their hearts are not right. Simon let bitterness and jealousy affect his heart, his motives, and his path. Some church fathers and scholars believe that Simon became a heretic and an early proponent of the heresy of Gnosticism, which prides itself on secret knowledge being needed for salvation. Why would Simon go that route if that is historically true? His bitter jealousy that he didn't repent of because he wanted all the attention and glory for himself. The condition of your heart is vitally important to everything in your life. If your heart is bitter, it will affect everything you do. Even if the action is right, it will be tainted with bitterness. You know, I remember this old Pentecostal saying, I, would, I was around these people in college, and when I was ministering in different places, they would always advise people, especially the younger ministers coming up, keep your river pure. Keep your river pure. What are some of them? You know, rivers of life flow from. And so, if rivers are life flowing from you, you make sure the river is pure, not contaminated. And see, the thing about bitterness, it will contaminate everything you do, even if the action is good. You may be doing a good thing, but it's stained with bitterness. That's how so many people give out wisdom, but it's just spreading their bitterness. You must endeavor to keep your rivers pure. You must work towards keeping what flows from your life pure. Go to James 3. Let's look at how people sharing their quote-unquote wisdom is actually spreading their bitterness. Now, James 3 in context is talking about the words of our mouth. And let's skip down to verse 14. But if you have bitter envying, and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, 
and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. So ask yourself, why is bitter envying and strife called wisdom? You know, wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. It is the application of knowledge. However, the wisdom here in this first part of the passage is not the wisdom of God. This wisdom is called fleshly. This wisdom is called devilish. A way we would say it today, this wisdom is an operating system. You know, on my phone, I have an operating system. And in this operating system, it's on my phone. And I don't think much about the operating system except when I have to, you know, update it, right? They might say, hey, tonight between 2 and 4 is going to update your system, and this is what's going to come with the update. I don't think much about the operating system. But the operating system, it controls and sets the task. It's how you operate the different apps on your phone and do all the different things your phone can do. Your computer has an operating system. Different digital devices you have as an operating system. It's how these things operate. Now understanding that, just like you don't think too much, unless you're a techie person, about the operating system on your phone, how many people think about the operating system of their heart? Especially if it's the wrong operating system. And so there are people who operate by bitter envy and jealousy. And they think they're on the right path. But what does Hebrew says? They are defiling many. They are defiling many. So this person who operates this way makes their decision by the application of bitter envious knowledge. Everything they do is defiled by the root of bitterness in their own heart. Even the good things they do is tainted by bitterness. People will claim they're operating in discernment, but it's actually bitterness and jealousy. They say, oh, you know, I just got a feeling that, you know, that's not right. It's not right for them to have that car. It's not right for them to have that job. It's not right for that, you know, I just have that feeling. I've got, I'm operating in discernment. That's not discernment. You're jealous. You're bitter. Because, you know, it's too, you know, it's too early for them to get married. You've only been saved two years. Well, why is that your business? Are you bitter because you're still single? Are you bitter because your marriage is not where it's supposed to be? We have to be careful because so many times we live in the social media age and social media influencers. So we be careful who you follow because some people spew out all this wisdom, quote unquote, that can actually be masked for bitterness and jealousy. How many times do we have people say, yeah, they shouldn't have that much money? doesn't matter who it is. Well, why shouldn't they have that much money? Because you don't have it? That's jealousy. That's envy. That leads to bitterness. We have to judge our own hearts, examine our own motives. Have we allowed a root of bitterness to grow up in our hearts? And things, you'll do good things. You'll do religious things. But it's polluted by the bitterness that comes from your heart. This operating system leads to confusion, strife, and every evil work. It opens you to every evil work just like Simon, who was bound in iniquity or the binding tie of sin. So this man who was saved didn't check for the bitterness, allowed to grow root in his heart, and it bound him in sin. See, a lot of times we... Don't think of jealousy and envy as big sins. You know, God never told you to measure big sins and little sins. But we have this habit of doing that as humans. And so 
We say this is a big sin, this is a little sin, and so we ignore the jealousy and the envy and the bitterness. And we begin to judge others because they may have something we don't have, or their life seems better than us, and we become jealous. We become envious. We become covetous. We become bitter. And doing that opens us up for strife and every evil work. So where you might have started with jealousy and bitterness, now you begin to do other transgressions and operating other forms of iniquity. And you wonder, how do I get to live in this way? It's because you didn't check the bitterness when it was a seed. You didn't, when you saw it was a root, you did not uproot it. You did not cultivate the garden of your heart. And see, these things can grow quick. They're like the weeds of care, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. We saw in Mark chapter 4. These weeds grow quick. And I was doing some work uh, around my house recently, and there was this weed. And it was like a vine. And you didn't realize how big it was from de-weeding, spraying stuff, putting out, you know, the different things I needed to do in the yard in the area. And so I'm planning to uproot this weed. And so it had wrapped itself inside a bush. And so as I pull it out and untangle it and uproot it, that weed was twice my height. But the thing is, I would have not known it because I couldn't see it until I got up close. How many things are in our lives that we don't see because we don't really closely examine our own heart and our own motives? How many people are actually operating by bitterness and they think they have prophetic discernment? And so they put a spiritual mask on, but they're really bitter. And they're on a road to a hardened heart and bound in sin. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Let's look at verse 34. O generation of vipers, how can you be evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So notice here, your heart produces things. Once again, what is flowing from your heart? If your heart is not right, as I said over and over again today, it'll affect everything in your life. It will even affect your faith and your believing. What goes on in your heart will eventually come out your mouth. For in this day and age, your tweet, your post, your Snapchat, your TikTok, it'll come out in whatever form of communication you use. Your mouth is an indicator of the condition of your heart. Your mouth is an indicator of the condition of your heart. If you want to know what someone really believes and what's it like on the inside, just spend some time with them. And eventually they get to talking, and it all comes out. And I'll show you exactly where they are. So examine your heart. You say, well, how do I do that? First start, what have you been saying? What have you been saying? What's been coming out your mouth on a regular basis concerning others? You know, some people may be jealous because some other people had a better time during this shelter in place than others. And instead of, you know, believing God for restoration and doing what things you need to do and, you know, focus on what's in front of you, you decide to look at them. You decide to say, well, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. And you begin to focus on everybody else but yourself. And now you're in a process of becoming jealous and bitter. 
we open the door for Satan to attack. We have to be on guard against bitterness. We have to be on guard against jealousy. Instead of saying, when you see someone who has money or gets blessed, someone goes, right, well, they must have cheated. They must have did something wrong. Instead of having that be our viewpoint, do you know what we need to do? 1 Corinthians 13, love thinks the best. Hey, maybe they worked hard for that. Maybe God blessed them. Instead of thinking the worst. If you're always thinking the worst about people, you need to check your heart. Are you operating by the operating system of bitterness and jealousy? What's in your heart? Well, so you don't know what my neighbor did. No, 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 no. Not what your neighbor did. What did you do? What is in your heart? What are you saying? What operating system are you operating by? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, Romans 3.13 speaks of people whose mouth were full of cursing and bitterness. What does that mean? Their hearts were overflowing with cursing and bitterness. And sadly, a lot of church people are like that. I'm not saying they're not saved, because Simon was saved. Simon was saved. Yet he was filled with bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So don't judge yourself by church people. Judge yourself by the word of God. Look at the word and examine the condition of your heart and the indicator of your mouth. What's going on on the inside? Because you can put on a religious mask, and you can pass off your bitterness as a wisdom, and sadly, a lot of people will believe you and be defiled with you. But you must check your heart. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Put away all bitterness. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. And notice who he's talking to. The church. And the church at Ephesus, who was attended to the first audience, wasn't a church that had a lot of issues. It was a church that was doing right. It was where we get the revelation of the glorious church. It's a church that is strong and had an impact. When you study out the church at Ephesus, is decades-long influence on the church. It was the leading church in modern-day Turkey. It's called back from the Asia Minor. It was the leading church. It affected all the other churches. It was doing tremendous things. But notice what Paul said to them. Put away the bitterness, which lets you know it can happen in any church, in any group of people. It can happen in any of us. We need to check our own hearts to make sure we're not bitter. And in a year like this year, we are talking about offense. But you know what goes right next to offense? Bitterness. How many people are bitter? How many people are bitter and offended because of the political campaign? I don't care who you vote for. Yes, research. Yes, pray. Yes, do your civic duty. But don't be offended. Don't be bitter. Don't give in to the drama and the strife of the world. 
and let that bitterness grow in your heart. I mean, sometimes, you know, people are so bitter, they spew it out on social media. And so you just retweet it, you re-spew it. You're looking at all this bitterness, and for the sake of a gross example to really drive it home, you're looking at all this vomit. Because remember, that bile is that liquid on the inside of the bladder. This is part of the digestive tract. And so you vomit all that out. And instead of turning away from it, you eat it. And you vomit it yourself. That's how you're defiling others with your bitterness. You pick up someone else's bitterness. You make it your own. And you pass it around. No. That's not how we're called to operate. We can push for justice. We can push for change. We can protest. We can cause for laws to change. We can do the things we need to do in the natural. But we do not do it with bitterness in our heart. We do not do it with offense in our heart. We do not do it with anger in our heart. We pursue justice because our God loves justice. So we pursue justice from a motive of love, not from anger, unforgiveness, offense, and bitterness. You can pursue justice and what is right and still forgive the person. You can stand in court and pursue justice and still not harbor unforgiveness toward that person. It's not mutually exclusive. But we bought into a lie saying that we have to be angry to make a difference. No. You just make a difference that I'm not going back. You just say never again. This ain't happening anymore. And you go forward in a spirit of love, pushing for what is true, for what is right, and for what is just. But you don't do it with bitterness in your heart. Because that bitterness will destroy. It'll break you down, lead you down the path of sin. And if you don't check it, the path to hell. Don't be silent. Check the bitterness of your own heart. So, Pastor, how do I do that? How do I put away bitterness? Number one, make a decision. Make a quality decision not to live that way. Why do I say a quality decision? Because it's backed by many daily decisions. You will have opportunity to be bitter today. Why? I'm preaching on it. And what does Satan do? He comes for the word. He will give you ample opportunity today and this week to be bitter. But she's like, you know what? I made a decision not to be bitter, so I ain't going to do that. Make the quality decision. Number two, where it concerns people, forgive everybody of everything. Forgive everybody of everything. Do not hold on to offense. You keep holding on to offense, you will grow bitter and affect everything in your life. Also, there are some things that have happened, you don't know why it's happened, and so now you believe you just can't go forward. And so instead of choosing hope, you grab onto despair. And now you tell other people, you mean well, but you tell them, don't get your hopes up. Do you know how unbiblical that is? We're supposed to have our biblical hope as strong and as high and as high we can get it. But if you, because of the hurt you've experienced, because of the discouragement you've experienced, because you're nursing and rehearsing the pain instead of being healed from it, you're now telling people, no, don't, don't have too much hope. That's still bitterness. You may mean well, but once again, that wisdom is sensual. It's earthly. It's devilish. We have to make sure we're operating by the operating system of the word of God, the wisdom of the Holy Ghost, and not bitterness. What's in your heart? Now that old commercial, what's in your wallet? What's in your heart? Because 
Some people around you may know, but you may be really good at hiding, and only you and Jesus know. But if you want to really live the life God has for you, you got to get the bitterness out of your heart. You have to choose not to be jealous of anyone. Be happy when someone else gets blessed, and not the fake happy. Actually be excited. Actually be glad you got blessed. Actually be glad that something good happened today. Be glad for them. And don't try to you know, rain on their parades like, oh, yeah, well, well, I'm glad that happened to you, but that doesn't happen that often. No, don't rain on the parade. That's bitter people talking. Celebrate them. Encourage them. Help lift them higher and encourage them to go after what God has for them. Choose not to follow the road of bitterness because it leads to a path of despair. There's some people who won't even use their faith for big things anymore because of setbacks they've had in their life. And truth to be honest, they're bitter. So, well, who are they bitter at? Are they bitter at people? Maybe. Some people are bitter with God. And it holds them back and keeps them from walking down the path God has for them. Today is the day to put away all bitterness and make a quality decision not to live that way. Forgive everybody of everything. And when we talk about that word defile, that word is so strong of a word. Because it means contaminated, it means polluted, it means stained. It means contaminated, it's polluted, it's stained. This word in the Greek and in the Hebrew for polluted or defiled is also refers to those who are unclean due to idolatry, sexual immorality, ceremonial uncleanness, and more. It is a strong word throughout the Word of God. But notice, because we talk about idolatry. Well, that's a big thing. Sexual immorality, that's a big thing. But bitterness is equated just with those things. So bitterness is also a big thing. Bitterness will stain you, pollute you, and contaminate you, just like idolatry and sexual immorality will. So the third way to put away bitterness, your daily walk with Jesus. Your daily walk. Jesus. You see, Malachi 3, he is called the refiner and the purifier. It also says in Malachi 3, he's like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. Jesus can remove the stain of bitterness from your life and cause you to be tender hearted. Why? He is anointed to heal your broken heart and remove the bitterness from your soul. And next week we'll get more into that in the following week, sharing how Jesus wants to heal your heart and brings restoration to your soul. And through your daily walk with him, he can remove the bitterness. He can remove the stain. But don't go into his presence being fake. That's not faith. Go into his presence believing he is who he said he is. And as you go in knowing that he's the one who can remove the stain from your heart, he's the one who can remove the contamination and the pollution from your soul, you go to him and say, God, I need your help to stop being bitter. This is what's happening in my life. This is why I'm bitter. I'm bitter because of this person. Or you might be bitter. You don't even know why. You just honestly got, hey, I'm bitter because of this. Or I don't even know why I'm bitter. Help me. Help me is a real prayer. Don't look down on help me. Go to Peter and say to Jesus, help my unbelief. The Holy Ghost is called the helper. And while Jesus walked the earth, he was called the helper. He will help you. Just be honest and ask for help. And some of you need to do that right now. 
You don't need a dramatic, long prayer. You just need, Lord, help my heart. Help me not to be bitter. Please remove the stain of bitterness from me. And then you'll walk with me. Yes, your daily prayer time. Yes, your daily time of reading the word, like one chapter last day. But your daily time of just living before him, keeping him in your mind, talking with him throughout the day. He'll be able to minister to you, heal you, and remove the bitterness. And if there is something that happened in your life that stained you, that damaged you, we'll get more into that next week, that you may remember the incident, but that pain that used to be there is completely gone. This is your day to be free from bitterness. This is your day for a brand new start. Lord Jesus, come clean your heart, clean your soul. Remove the pollution and remove the contamination, and you can live free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the command to put away all bitterness. I'll ask, Father, that you help us do that. That every single one of us, under the sound of my voice, from me to all my brothers and sisters watching throughout Metro Atlanta, Georgia, and all around the world, help us put away bitterness. Help us not to fall into the same trap and path that Simon did. Help us to stop bitterness when it's a seed and uproot any roots that may be in our heart so we can live a pure life before you to keep our rivers pure so the rivers of life that flow from us bring blessing to people and not defilement. I thank you for your help, Holy Spirit. I thank you for your help healing hearts right now healing minds right now, restoring souls right now, showing us areas that we need to address, putting your finger on places in our lives that we need to address. Help us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of this word so we can be blessed in our doing. In Jesus' name, amen. It is possible to live free of bitterness. It is, and you can do it. Holy Spirit will help you make that quality decision, forgive everybody of everything, and walk with Jesus daily. You can do this. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.